good day or night. This is This Week in the West Kootenays. My name is Tim, and I have to speak in a hushed voice because sick children. So I bought this new microphone so it would amplify. And hopefully it's amplified enough that you can hear it. I got it at Bay Avenue Music on Bay Avenue and Trail. This episode's pretty gnarly. Pretty nasty. Because we've got Paul Heinrichs on here. Paul Heinrichs is a concert promoter. He's up in Caslow now doing the Jazz Festival. You know what else he does? He did the Royal for a long time. If you want to know anything about music around here, or why the Kootenays has a reputation, then listen to the interview, because Paul will explain it. I also have... Uh, my answering machine must be hooked up to something in the future because I keep getting this message from the Ministry of Happiness in the year 2035. So I got that playing. And uh, we got commercials coming up. I got a sponsor, so that's exciting. And now a word from our sponsor. Lacey's Natural All Natural Dog Meat. It's mostly for dogs anyways. Lacey's All Natural Natural Dog Meat. Lacey's all-natural natural dog meat is just what your dog wants to eat. It's a big can of meats, some exotic, some not exotic. Lacey's meats could be beef meat, chicken meat, fish meat, armadillo meat, skin, dog meat, cream corn, hair flakes, pus, and of course, horse. Lacey's all-natural natural dog meats come in brown color or off-white color. They may or may not have human skin mixed in due to processing. My son eats it, so you could probably eat it too. Get a big can of this dog meat outside your local convenience store on 5th Avenue. Lacey's Natural All Natural Dog Meat. It's mostly for dogs anyways. And I I get the question because I've been looking around for interviews every now and then. I see something interesting. So I think... I wonder if this guy would be or a girl would be interested in an interview and I'll send a message or something. I hear back sometimes, which is pretty cool. And then I get the question, um, what's the podcast about? And why are you doing this? And the answer is, I can't think of one. I want to do it for fun, but why would it be fun for me? Well, I, I went to radio school way back when, and I worked in it for a while and It was pretty fun, but I felt restricted. So I bought podcast gear in 2006. (laughs) Did I make a podcast? No, because it's too hard to turn on a computer. But I had the stuff. I started recording things for fun. But now I want to do this. And I've wanted to do it since 2006. Helps you get off your butt. You know, it's better than... uh, You know, I'm sick of doing jobs like uh, wiping people's asses with spatulas. Like, no one wants to do a job like that. No one wants their ass wiped with a spatula anyway, right? So not, why not pick something you like to do? And that this is something I like to do. I like to tinker around with, with editing and jokes and stuff like that. So that's what I want to do. I want to make a show. And I want to inspire myself by meeting awesome people. And find the sense of community. Find what's, what's, what, what is going on underneath like the newspapers and and like commercial radio what what are people actually thinking and doing there's there's a hearty bunch out here and we're here and we're excited to be here and then like what about the children right <laughs> you know you gotta make they're living in a time some of the kids 
where they they don't see much social interaction like they used to. Like I'm telling my kids, follow your dreams, but you know, there's a screen where they see things. But like their sense of community is a little bit like uh, stretched thin right now. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I think. So we'd like for them to, you know, see us doing things. Just here's what's going on, guys. It's, I keep hitting this bag of chips that's beside me. That'd be cool too. And I want to shine a, a light on the people here that are making things happen because it's not easy. You know, you see a concert over here and you decide, oh, maybe I'll go to that. With no other thought other than 30 bucks, I thought it'd be 20 bucks. But the work that goes on is incredible. And you'll hear that a little bit from Paul Heinrichs. It's a great, amazing interview. And it, it's an eye-opener to anyone who's who's new here. And a, another reason why I want to make, make this podcast is to tell jokes. Because I love telling jokes. Especially when things are hard or difficult. I just tend to make more jokes. Because I guess it gets the uh, dopamine going in my very uh what's a nice word for it malfunctioning brain malfunctioning a different functioning i prefer that so those are the reasons some of the reasons why i make this podcast and when i find the time and you don't the thing that was kind of putting me off of on doing it was I, I wouldn't make the time because I would just do things I didn't want to do instead, but you know what you felt you had to do. Even just watching TV, I wouldn't put myself out there. It was a little bit scary. So I, for fun. Let's have fun. And now another word from our sponsor. Lacey's Natural All Natural Dog Meat. It's mostly for dogs anyways. This is an update in what was said in the earlier ad. By someone, Lacey's natural, all-natural dog meat should not be eaten by children. Apparently, there is too much tooth per can than what a child's stomach can handle. Your old man or woman should be able to stomach it, though, if they've lived a hard life working in the mines or mills. Please eat Lacey's natural, all-natural dog meat responsibly. It's mostly for dogs anyway. Lacey's natural, all-natural dog meat. It's mostly for dogs. So this little little feature is called uh, where to get it in the West Kootenays. If you're looking for something like you're craving things, because a lot of people moving from the city here are used to getting things like Snyder's uh, hot buffalo wing uh, pretzel bites. Dear Lord, those are good. Well, that's what this is. Listen. Where to get it in the West Kootenays. If you love cinnamon buns, Ferraro's Markets in Trail and Rosalind have huge ones with a mountain of icing. They also have some of the best cronuts since Mars was discovered. Craving Snyder's Hot Buffalo Wings pretzel bites? Well, they have them at Tempo Gas Station in Robson. Another cool thing is Sims paintbrushes. If you've spoiled yourselves with these great paintbrushes but can't find them, you can actually find them. Meglio's in Nelson and Trail. Got a tip? Email wkinthewk at gmail.com. So as I mentioned at the end of the show, well, not at the end of the show, following the amazing interview from Paul Heinrichs, we've got the Minister of Happiness. He's going to join us. We also have, we, 
and it's me and my dog Norbert and we also have some complaints you know it's nice to put that out there hey because I complain all the time and I'm always like no I'm, I'm trying to stay positive big fella but my complaining oh man it's out of control sometimes so that's why I do it I'm poking fun at myself I'm not necessarily poking fun at other people but that's fun too <laughs> that's how you get your rocks on or off and Paul Heinrichs I'm currently the executive and artistic director of the Casual Jazz Etc. Festival I'm a concert promoter that does uh, shows in both Spirit Bar at the Hume Hotel and in the Capitol Theater mostly, but we rent soft seat theaters in, you know, the Key City and Cranbrook, and we've gone into Vernon and kind of everything in between. Um, I am tour manager for Shred Kelly, so I organize a lot of the logistics to their touring schedule and all of the variables in that. And then I do a lot of smaller stuff. I'm on the uh, board for Nelson Kootenay Lake Tourism and the Caslow Chamber of Commerce. Uh, yeah, I've worked with Factor and the Junos, and it keeps going, man. I've been so to answer your first question. <laughs> I've been doing this since uh, I, I moved to Nelson in 2000. Get the, I'm pretty sure it was 2005 um, to go to Selkirk for the music program, and uh, graduated in 2009 with two diplomas and then um needed to figure out you know after you graduate um i think a lot of people tend to leave the area selkirk's a great program and a great great institution um but this community is traditionally hard to break into especially if you're doing um music stuff or it was then um so I started doing sound at the Royal uh, and Finley's, and I was just kind of the, the sub, you know, whenever their main guys were unavailable. And then one day at the Royal, I got an opportunity to uh, take over booking. So um, kind of took over the calendar there. So that was like 2009, I think, the fall of 2009, maybe into 2000. Yeah, somewhere around there. And um, never really stopped. Ran the Royal for a couple of years, ended up purchasing the Royal and owning that for a couple of years with my business partner, Howie Ross. And we ran that until 2013 and did, that was like um, a very potent time, I think. And a lot of people still reference that era. Like I said, at least to me, you know, I still have regular conversations about the shows that happened kind of between 2010 and 2013 and the Royal, because we were hitting way above our weight and um, for a room that had a capacity that size and really a long history as a, as a bar and a hotel, obviously, and, um, and a venue, but never at a professional level. So, you know, for us to, start bringing in, you know, like Billy Bragg and Leon Russell and like huge names that are, yeah. um, yeah, we're just kind of, it was staggering. We were doing it, you know, five to six nights a week and, uh, so inevitably we burnt out and <laughs> that's what happened. That's, that's what happens when, and that was a big lesson. So, uh, fortunately there, you know, I was actually just talking to, uh, somebody that's very dear to me about that specific time and, um, big part of the continuation of the music scene for me personally 
happened when we when we knew that the royal was done um it could have all i i don't i could have gone in lots of different directions um i i had no trajectory it was just kind of doing damage control and i didn't know what was next and um ryan martin at the hume hotel i got to give him credit because he uh I'll, I'll always be grateful that he reached out and he called me one day when he read it in the newspaper or heard you know whatever secondhand whatever what was happening and uh offered me a job and was like i want you to bring all your shows over here like cause we had stuff booked beyond our expiry date and uh yeah he opened the door to live music at spear bar because up until then it had been traditionally uh you know djs and hip-hop and they were doing great like they were they were the spot for that and we had our thing going on at the Royal, and it was a really nice balance between, you know, two venues doing two kind of different things. And um, it ended up, um, yeah, in merging those two, those two worlds, and it worked really well. So in, in 2013, Ryan brought me on board, and I brought a bunch of my team over there and slowly, you know, integrated these two visions into um, – yeah, something that's lasted almost 10 years now. So, um, yeah, that kind of brings it up. And then, uh, you know, 2015, I took over Jazz Fest uh, as the artistic director. And I knew the next year was their 25th anniversary, and uh, there was an opening for the executive director position, so I applied. And that was the first that that was the first year the festival ever sold out. It was the first year I took over. And then it's just... I, kind of, I have to say right now, wow. Yeah. What, a, yeah. what a trajectory, hey? Eh? Do you feel sometimes that you've been uh, uh, kind of lucky that way, or do you? Uh, I don't say, or do you? How much work does it take? Like, how many hours a day were you putting in to get where you are? Because you're living sort of a dream life for a lot of promoters. What does it take? Yeah, good question. Um, well, uh, it took an incredible amount of luck. Uh, you know, just. You have to be clear, you know, and, and honest in that, that, you know, these things, anything in life, um, takes a certain bit of magic for, for success to happen. And I definitely was impacted by that. But it also, um, yeah, I mean, man, where do I start? It took a team, um, absolutely. Like it's, it's kind of the classic, you know, I was the captain of the team maybe, but there was like an entire roster making it happen and there continues to be. And that's, continue to grow like I have a, an inner circle that I rely on daily for um, conversations and ideas and vetting things and like is this a bad idea and, <laughs> and it's important to have people in your life that say yes you know that'll be like yeah man, you, you don't want to do that you know <laughs> and I lean on those people a lot and um, but so the team and then uh, you know recognizing opportunities I think that that's whenever I've taught at various conferences or workshops or stuff I always feel that that's one of the characteristics that if I had to like qualify it somehow that that kind of gave me an, a bit of a, a bit of insight or awareness to uh this success is that um you got to recognize opportunities you know so the classic and I can share this now because I'm not really doing it you just look at who's on tour and write them when they have a day off between Vancouver and Calgary and I spent 20 hours a day doing that for, <laughs> for, for years, you know, where I was constantly trolling tour dates, talking to other promoters, talking to other venues, looking what it, places in Spokane. That was huge because 
we never had American acts to the degree that we did. Like, that was a big thing for me. I was like, Spokane is very close, and it's a major city, and they have a knitting factory, or at the time it was it wasn't it wasn't the knit it was something else it was like house of blues or something um but anyway we you know i would just write all of those bands and and, and none of them worked you know <laughs> yeah for the for, they, they they all they know there's like no where, where's nelson may as well be siberia so uh but eventually um i had somebody an agent out of toronto who took a shot on us and but we uh, booked us sarah harmer so we did two nights with her and then that kind of opened up a whole world of possibility. So, um, yeah, what's it taken? It's taken, honestly, everything from, like, so many sleepless nights to, I mean, it cost me a, it cost me a relationship. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it did. It's been a life-altering experience. I wouldn't necessarily trade it for anything, but it's uh, a healthy dose of luck, a lot of, like, tears, and uh, just nonstop pedal of the floor. Uh, yeah, it speaks to your character too. If you have people willing to help you after all these years, that's that's a testament. <laughs> and what would you what would you say is um one of your fondest memories of uh, let's say the royal years and mm-hmm. uh, and then in the last five years or so, I guess pre whatever time we're living in now. What would be one sure. of your fondest memories in the royal, and then uh, and then later on when you switched. Yeah, that's really good. My one of my, huh? I mean, the Royal is just so, so sick. There, I would probably say I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you two because I'm not good at following directions. Um, <laughs> the one, please one, don't. <laughs> yeah, one would be Bill Frizzell. Um, he's a guitar player. He's qualified as a jazz guitar player, but he's so much more than that, and he's. Um, a very, very prominent in that scene. He's like, a, you know, a demigod. And, uh, he was the one that I worked on for a long time. And when it finally came together, he was touring. He had a four piece band with, uh, what's his name? That was a Greg Slice. He's, uh, he's a very famous pedal steel player who plays with like everybody out of LA. And he was in the band and like this, the music was like musically, it was, it sounded perfect and they were doing they were playing imagine they were doing john lennon's imagine so it was all beatles stuff and it it was just just to have that caliber um and the the energy in the room was like you could keep like it was silence but my my fondest memory from that like that's definitely one one of my favorite shows i wouldn't say it's my favorite show but one of them because um my the mother of my child was pregnant at the time, and I just remember uh, she was, like, quite pregnant. Like She was, like, maybe a month or two from giving birth, and uh, it was just a really, it was a really special day, and that was a very nice, like, we all, like, it was, like, a real family vibe in there, and Bill Frizzell's on stage playing the Beatles with this ridiculous band, and, uh, yeah, I just remember that night, everybody dressed up, you know, like, we were all bartenders, like, you know, the bartenders always looked great, but... Myself, not so much. And, uh, <laughs> I kind of throw on the, the faded T-shirt, and uh, but everybody kind of dressed up, and it was just a very classy night. And yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite evenings in the Royal. Um, and then in the last five years, man, I've, I I don't know. The, the, there's so many. I would have to say, like as far as uh, crowd impact, um, probably Francie 
you know, at Jazz Fest that year in, in 2016, the first time that we sold it all out and the storm hit the stage and um, it was like absolute natural disaster on our end. <laughs> but looking back on it now, I mean, you couldn't have scripted a better beginning to something or, um, you know, if you believe in the power of the universe, I mean, it was very much on display that, that night and that weekend. Um and it just launched so much, like it changed for me personally and musically for the festival. And, uh, it just, it was electric, literally. Um, that's amazing. Eh? Yeah. It, probably came, that, it came together because you pushed and then, and then the elements came for you. It felt, felt, it felt like, hey? Eh? Yeah, totally. I mean, that was the first time I think I'd have to look back, like, actually, and I shorted you one story about, so I'll go back, but yeah, I no, think yeah, that that Francie was one of the first times there were like that was the biggest crowd i'd ever dealt with like that was you know we had four thousand people on site <laughs> and we were not we were not prepared for that i mean we're in Caslow first of all and the festival had never experienced numbers like that and it was our first year running camping so we had accommodations for way more people so like our our, our numbers were up there and um that was the first time that the uh you do a podcast so i can i can say i can say swear words oh yeah, uh, you can fucking swear all <laughs> <laughs> the shit hit the fan, right? So, like, literally, yeah. Friday night, Francie's wrapping up his set, and the shit absolutely hit the fan. Uh, in a level that it had never, like, you know, obviously we'd experienced curveballs and challenges before, but this was, like, people could get hurt. Like, this was, like, a this was next level. And um, that was really when I knew that the, my team was, like, how important that was and how crucial right. it were. Oh, absolutely. Just seeing the response from everyone and, and how it got was handled and how much worse it could have been and how much everyone learned like still going back on that like that, that comes up it's like a, it's like a it's a benchmark kind of when we have mm. team meetings or conversations about things being like oh yeah well when Brandy happened we did this you know like it became a reference yeah. point for for so much so yeah that was a moment when I knew the team was uh that it was bigger than me Right. That was essentially, and it's not that I didn't had had an ego leading up to that, but that was where I was like, man, I'm a part of something way bigger than I understood before this moment. So I think that was a big part of my reflection was on that specific day. Um, and then I was going back, uh, doing Capitol shows. I just wanted to throw all of them out there. Like when the Capitol <laughs> Theater, um, when we first started booking shows in the Capitol Theater, the very first one was Leo Kotke, which was amazing, finger-picking guitar player. But then we built this relationship with the Capitol, and they started to trust us to present more uh, louder stuff and a broader range of music. And eventually, uh, we got them to let us do general admission shows. And I got, like, a, the number of them were amazing, which, you know, the Capitol was not doing general admission shows for a number of years. Um, so to be able to do people like Charles Bradley and uh, Xavier Rudd, you know, the first time we did the yeah. Whalers in there, forget it was lights out. Like the vibe in there was so thick, and um, yeah, that was just another highlight of that kind of royal era. Was that uh, when the Capitol kind of welcomed us and let us start doing general admission shows because that was very cool. Oh, that sounds awesome! And you just kept your your foot on the gas, as you said. Yep. Yeah, what, if you go back and see that you're, you're, the team that you've assembled yourself is fully capable of, of running something without you, that must, that must have been the most heartwarming and stress-relieving moment 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it was for sure. Um, I am an only child who struggles with trust. So, you know, so to have that sort of experience is not something that feels natural. It's sort of like I have to let go and I'm not, you know, I'm constantly working on, on that. And, um, yeah, when it, and I think that that's kind of what that Francie thing was and, and very, so every year at the festival since, I'll be honest, like that, it, it felt very, dramatic or serious because of the storm and it was the first time and there was all of this shit happening but really that level of like it, it being more than I can manage personally uh, has happened every year uh, yeah. in, some, in one way or another and that was a that just comes through experience you know like I, I didn't uh, I didn't know that that would be the case I thought you know this is an anomaly and yeah we had a really stressful year because the storm hit but no, it, it's just absolute chaos every year. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, and knowing that exactly that now, it's gotten to the point where, you know, the vision was always a uh, good friend of mine, Jake, the lady from the Circus Axe Insomniacs. She was my uh, second in command for many years and, and is still is at Spirit Bar. And, um, we have had many conversations about how a lot of this, events and the organizations I've been a part of are built like a pyramid where the person at the top and then it all kind of trickles down. And we've been actively working on making things circular where it's not, right? Like where it's not me because I can't, I am, I'm not capable of it. Like it it was unhealthy and it was um, bigger than one person can do. It just is. So yeah, that whole idea of being able to trust people with, entire departments you know our parking team for example at jazz fest first aid like there's so many merch like there's lots of areas where i don't really have that much involvement i sign the check and i I sign off on everything you know it it kind of filters through me but decisions are made and visions are there people have their own ideas and momentum and it's amazing we've then that you know and that's it came it happened at the royal too there's people who worked there and went on to absolute greatness you know who learned stuff there and then we're doing super cool stuff and i think that that's that's the rewarding part is is showing people how beautiful life can be like that's ultimately why i want to present music because it gives people the chance to feel that magic of the universe for a moment when they really need it usually and um but also internally like seeing the development, like the career development for people and the, the, all of these individual trajectories that all these different people have gone on and how cool it is to be like, it's like you all, I don't know if you've ever went to summer camp, but it's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you're together for two weeks and it feels like this super tight, magical, like, we'll remember this night forever. And then you don't see each other, but you just know that everybody's out there. You know they're off doing great things, and you come back together, and every time you weave back in, it just feels like you're kind of back in that in that bubble. And, uh, yeah, I find that amazing what, what events can do to people. Pull, right. like, um, bring them together, and I guess especially if you, like you say, you're an only child. And I have a, I grew up in a, a tight religious atmosphere, so music just brought. I'm only alive, I think, because of music. And then you, uh-huh. just, you find those yeah. separate from ADD, and then you find events that bring everyone is involved, and their brains are firing all at the same time, and everyone remembers it. And if you saw that person again, they're your friend still. Yeah. Yeah, you shared that experience. You shared that moment. There's a inherent trust in that and love for it. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, music, I think, you know, whether you, whatever background you come from, I think that that 
that really factors into how deep into this you can go because there is an endless amount of events that will absolutely light your soul on fire. There's an endless amount of songs that will break your heart. There's so much power in both music and events and gatherings, you know, that, I mean, I think personally that's what the biggest struggle through COVID has been, uh, is losing that and, and not, like, not feeling that was uh, mm-hmm. absolutely traumatic. You know, I, I'm still figuring that out. But because it has such a, like, it, it brought you from your childhood into where you are now. And same with me and same with all of us. Like, we've all gone through some sort of transformation that has a soundtrack. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's great that uh, they, we, so many of us are still able to recognize that and still able to love it and cherish it and talk about it like we are now. Yeah, and I like the the way, the way you framed uh, the universe coming in. And I think that as the music grabs pieces of it, the beautiful parts, and lets us lets it into our mind. That's a very like sometimes you hear a song and you go, "Holy man, you feel something." Like I can listen to uh, Radiohead, The Reckoner, and I know I don't know anything past thirty seconds of that song because it takes me somewhere else every single time. I don't have any idea what the words are. But I've listened to it a thousand times, right? So it's touching something. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's that feeling. Um, and it absolutely is the universe. Like, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, the divinity of life. But I, <laughs> yeah. I do think that there is some sort of, you know, um, Neil Young that, that says that his songwriting, he's like a conduit. That it's not, he doesn't write the songs. They just come to him. And that he's the he's the conduit to allow them to be expressed into the world, and I, I think that that's that's probably true in so many art forms and in so much creative content and in so much of the passion in being human, you know, is that it's coming from another space, I think, and then it just finds a way. It, it kind of mixes you up and like you hear that first thirty seconds of the record, and you're just like gone. You're just like I don't yeah. know what just happened to every, my <laughs> physiological being, but and and that's amazing. That's so to be oh. able to bring people into a space uh, and give them that. It has just been, and then again, seeing the how many people that resonates with, and how many people want to work for it. Like I don't even think that it's. I don't think that a lot of these people. I don't even know that they are working for me or for the organization. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. No, no we're not. working for yeah. the music. We are literally a team of music lovers. And they just tolerate me. They're just like, okay, well, Paul's the guy that makes it happen, so we got to put up with his crap. But we get to tap into this, you know? And um, it's such a powerful thing. And I really am looking forward to getting back at it, you know? like, And we're slowly starting. Like, I can think, you know, like we did that Shred Kelly tour this summer. We did, like, a tiny concert tour, which was um, so powerful, like, so nice to hit all of these towns in, in the interior and in the Kootenays and uh, see the love that, like, that's one. I don't think that people, are you, I don't even know, are you based in Nelson? Uh, Castlegar. You're in Castlegar. Right okay. In so like, yeah. Okay. Around here, you know, um, you know, Shred Kelly are very popular and people know them yeah. and they're familiar. I've with heard them. of them, yeah. In Calgary, yeah. they were there all the time. Well, oh, yeah. I don't know that I spent know. that much time on the road to be like in Revelstoke or in Golden or in Kimberly and see the reaction from mm. people. And it was just like, 
oh, shit, like, they have legitimate fans who show up and sing all the words and buy a ton of merch and are, like, in it. And so when we started this summer tour, I was kind of looking at it from the other side, like, this band needs to play. Like, we need yeah. to get, we need to make some money. We need to sell some tickets. Like, these guys need to, they need, they're a live band. We got to get some work for these guys. So I was really pushing at it from that side. And then within, like, the first two shows, I, it just, like, we were crying every night. Cause it was just like, oh. it's just this, the audience that would show up was just, like, giving it so hard. And I me mean, a lot because I can't dance. I just sit there. But I'm, I'm talking, yeah. like, um, energetically and enthusiasm wise and just, like, how how much it meant and how many times people would be like, this is the first music I've seen in a year and a half. And that all, whole thing, man, it just reaffirmed it all. And I can't wait to do it again. And I can't wait to light up Caslow Jazz again and um, start building and bringing people back together because it's such a powerful thing. Uh, do you have plans for the future? Are you just kind of waiting on yeah. the way things yeah. are happening? Or, yeah. Yeah, no, we can yeah, we can talk about that a bit. We're um, meeting this week. Cabo Jazz, uh, you know, our, we have we're a registered charity with the board of directors. So um, we met last month, and it was determined that we were going to proceed with a festival for next year. Um, the vision, like the vision's going to have to be different. Obviously, we're going to change a few things, but yeah, we're meeting this week to start figuring out you know budgets and timelines and get the wheels in motion, start all the conversations with our stakeholders. Um, but, yeah, you know, the way things are looking now, um, we have every intention of, of bringing the festival back in, in 2022 for sure. And then um, for the club shows and stuff, we're just kind of, I think, based, like the capital we could potentially do, um, but both, you know, with the current restrictions being at 50% capacity, uh, for both the capital and Spirit Bar, it makes it tight and people can't dance. So that kind of puts yeah. Spirit Bar out of, you know, that would just be a headache to, to manage. And Hume is already doing so much. Like if you think of all of the different facets of their business, you know, with the delivery and the hotel and the restaurants and the, they have that patio and like they're just, you know, to, to try and throw a nightclub into the mix. I think that that would, it's not, we're not quite there yet, but, yeah. um, you know, 2022, I would say that that's probably a reasonable expectation that we'll hopefully start doing some club shows and some indoor shows sometime next year and fire up the festival, too. And yeah. It'll be the greatest year of all time. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it'll, eh? be, it'll be something. It's going to be different, and I think that it's going to be unique, and it'll be very, like I said, if those experiences with Shred Kelly this summer uh, of people's reactions and how touched they were, you know, I, I don't think that this um, this gratitude or this missing or this longing for gatherings and dancing and music, like, it's by no means exclusive to either of us. It's like, and I guess that that's kind of what I was getting at with, how, like, how deep that is. Like, people all over are just, like, hungry for it. Oh, yeah. So, I feel like a, I'm very, like, I feel like I'm the one that needs to see something. Maybe right. someone else that needs to feel it, too, and it's. We're all just shaking, like, sort of, like, I need to feel that again. Exactly. I think it's going to explode. I'm, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I guess I got one more question about, and just like sure. local music, just uh, the local scene, all yeah. music, all, all kinds of music. What, what, how would you describe the local West Kootenai music scene? That's a good question. You know, it's, um, it's complicated. It's like, 
feel like, and I, I feel like there's people who wouldn't agree with my, with my perspective yeah. on it. But I think that, um, let me put this. I feel like we're kind of moving in the wrong direction as far as the support of the arts, as far as enabling. It's not the musicians that are holding the bag on this. I think that there aren't many opportunities for them to play and there aren't, there aren't projects or real estate developers or anyone who are facilitating it, right? Like we have, I think if you, the classic cliche, if you build it, they will come. And we proved it with the Royal. We proved it with Jazz Fest, right? But I can't keep doing it. Like I'm not going to be the only one. And there needs to be other investment in that. There needs to be a part of our community. Nelson Cooney, like tourism, props to them. They are trying really hard to get artists funding and offer gig opportunities. Like they are definitely pushing and the and the arts council as well. I don't know like around a lot of the other communities, but it just seems like it's been really quiet. Um, so I think that that's having an impact. I think that, you know, we all know that DJ culture and, and producers and all that, they can make it work here. It's, it's, uh, feasible to be a, a, um, a producer or kind of a one person thing and, or if you do it online or digital music, that's more, uh, possible here. Um, but like just the live music thing, uh, we, we, you know, it seems like there's a lot of singer songwriters that are coming out, which is great. Um, but I just don't know where the depth in our bands is. And I, it's always been, and I don't, Again, it's not a slight on anyone, but it has been historically a challenge to find local openers. That if you have a band coming through town to find a suitable, because you got to remember, like when the headliner comes through town, they have to approve the opener, right? right. So you got to give them options. I got to be like, hey, here's three bands that I think might be a fit. Which one do you want? And that's real. That's sometimes I can't do that. Sometimes yeah. like I give, sometimes I give them one. I'm just like this is this is all we got. This is the only person within a four hour drive that's available on this day. So it's 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 limiting, and I think that it, it my solution is to put it back on industry. Is that we need more people who are willing to make investments like the Hume, you know, like uh Shambhala does with you know they built a club. They didn't have to do that. Like they didn't have to build. Um, bloom you know but they went for it because they're trying to they're trying to support something i mean the the infrastructure was kind of there but they also spent a lot of money bringing it back to life so we need more of that and i think we need people who come in with a with a vision i think the valley would thrive with a with a venue or festival something like there's no um like actual like and i'm talking you know like a couple hundred people doesn't have to be anything huge but the junction would probably do really well and i think whenever you see events do happen whenever, whenever events do happen people show up they support them they're there you know there is support for local bands beyond their friend networks and and you know the the wives and all of that like people local bands can sell tickets there just aren't a lot oh, of yeah. them and there and there aren't a lot of places for them to play so now with covid happening and i just worry that we've kind of that um as we ramp back up we're gonna we're gonna see uh, kind of who's still around and who's open for business. And I hope that, I hope that there's a whole lot of new projects because, um, yeah. This yeah, hopefully everybody's sitting at home right now practicing. And well, yeah. Oh, man, I gotta fill my venue somehow. What am I gonna do? 
all and married that. the two. Yeah, right. all of it. Uh, or people that, you know, there's, oh, you know, you always hear people that want to move to the area and that want to do something and invest or, you know, musicians that move here or all of that. Like, I, I just think that that's, uh, that's one area where it's not, I think we are branded as a arts and culture community. Uh, I think that what we did at the Royal in this last 12 years or whatever it's been has a part of that, is, is a part of that national recognition of Nelson's arts and music community. But I don't, I feel like it's kind of smoke and mirrors at the same time. So it's like, mm-hmm. is there substance to it? Or is it just that we're really good at the little that we do? And that's okay too, but I want to see some depth here. I want there to be like multiple venues running every night with different kinds of music. Because that, that, that's the best thing for the fan experience. Absolutely. Right. And, and for any band. Yeah, so why, do you, why are you playing? Because you want to go up there. You want to go on that stage. That's why. Exactly. So I hope that that is... Um, and I know, you know, there's a lot of funding opportunities out there. Uh, there's a lot of workshops. There's a lot of people who are definitely trying right now. And, um, yeah, I would love to see our actual municipalities get behind things, though. Um, I would love to see as many, um, yeah, as many hands get involved in making this happen as possible. Because that's what's going to make this an actual, the West Kootenays, you know, that's what's going to allow our musical identity and our artistic identity to continue is this, um, if we we need to grow, that brings a tear to my eye, Paul. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, come on, man, let's build these things. That's cool. Well, I really, really appreciate it. What an amazing conversation, man. Oh man, thank you for asking. I mean, I haven't. Yeah, no, this is great. I, I uh, wish that there was more, uh, you know, things that were exciting like right now. But uh, yeah, it's nice hey. to talk about what we've done and hopes hopes for the future. I'd really like to thank Paul Heinrichs for coming on and uh, having a chat conversation with me. I found it incredibly informative. I'm very grateful that you took the time and appreciations. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast, my answering machine for my painting company is acting up. It has a weird ring, a ring I've never heard before. And then the message will be from the future, which is very odd. And uh, it always gets introduced by this lady who's saying, uh, this is a minister of happiness, Dr. Slick. Well, here's the latest message I've got. And now your minister of happiness, Dr. Slick. March 10th, 2035. Greetings, fellow Kootenai humanites. I'm Dr. Slick, your Minister of Happiness. I want to acknowledge that Earth Day was a great success. If you had a chance to go outside during the cool hour, I hope you enjoyed that. Earth itself was a great outdoor experience, let's never forget it. Cross, cross, cross. And now attention, those of us wiping our asses with disposable paper need a spanking. We have spatulas for a reason. They're reusable and relatively easy to wield. Please folks, try and be less greedy with drug rations. The psilocybin is once a week. The weed is thrice daily. Not a thousand times like my uncle. 
don't be like Uncle Kevin and smoke it all because he ends up eating all the pie. Pie is monthly. A lot of you have inadequate ventilation in your bunkers. Please call Terry for a dig. Don't give him any of your pudding. He already struggles in the seat. It has been brought to the Ministry of Happiness's offices at the government's attention <laughs> that shower drains are being clogged by the dozens in single men's bunkers. Fellow fellows, use one of the provided condoms or a rugged old sock. Make sure it's clean though, no infections. We're almost out of ointment. Signing off. Minister of Happiness, Dr. Slick. Let's wrap up this, shall we, Norbert? With complaints. WK and the WK at gmail.com would be the email address. Send your complaints, send your songs, if you want me to play one of your songs, send me, uh, if you have a band and uh, you want to come on, if you want to come on, for any reason at all, if you're interested in talking, come on, come on man, come on all y'alls, anyway, this is a complaint, and this one's from, I can't even read that, this one came in the mail, (laughs) how did you find my house? This one's called from Doral. It says, I love helping my buddy fix up his boat. Oh, yeah. Look at look at this guy over here. He's got a friend with a boat. Doral. And, and he goes on to say, I have a friend who I love. I love helping him fix his boat. But when he invites me over, he only ever offers me two beers. When I know he's got tons of beers in his beer fridge. Now I'm helping him fix his boat. I don't have to stand there and hold the the wiping rag. Oh man, he can't even. He's using cursive. Makes sense. I know I understand what he's saying already. Let's keep let's delve deeper into this letter. He should be offering me at least a dozen to two dozen beers every time I hand him a rag, but instead I get two beers per visit. Is there something I can do about this? Should I suggest that he gives me more? Write him a letter like I have done to you and send it to him? Shall I slide a note under his door or should I bang the shit out of his wife as revenge? And I don't even like her. Signing off, Doral. Come on, Doral. Bring your own beer. Have you ever thought about that? Some complaints, I swear. This one's from Kathy. Kathy has a complaint about pumpkins. The pumpkins that are left on people's porches longer than one week after expiration, a.k.a. Halloween, should be shot where they stand the next morning when they get up for work and walk out the front door. It's disgusting. 
Well, Kathy, or should I call you pumpkin hater? Jeez, what are they gonna? Rac- what are the raccoons gonna eat? Anyway, that's this week in the West Kootenays, episode five. I hope you enjoy us next time. Please send us your emails at WK and the WK. I sure appreciate any feedback that you may have uh, regards to this program. If you have a joke that you want to do, record it, send it to me, and I'll put it on here. As long as it's on, as long, if it has swears, that's totally fine. If it doesn't have swears, that's totally fine. Be original, be yourself. Peace out. Rockin'.